Paul Pettigrew, how are you doing? Not bad, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad at all. Not too bad at all. Just a bit of, bit of background before we, we carry on. For those that, you do, that don't know Paul, Paul's got his own sort of gambling foundation sort of tackling issues and preventive measures. And I came into sort of contact with him a few weeks ago about it when I was looking for ideas to do for the podcast and, and gambling is certainly an area where I feel is, is rife and he'll know more than me about this issue. So we sort of got in touch and we've, we've tried to get this together. So yeah, for, first of all, just before we go into what you do at the moment, you had issues yourself personally with gambling. Um, can you give us a wee bit of background on that? Aye, so I started gambling when I was 18. It was just in a casino in Glasgow. Uh, I had no preempted thoughts of gambling at all. It wasn't something that ran in my family. Uh, one of my pals just took me one night because we were ready early for a party. So we went up, he drove up, uh, went in with £100 and I left with £1,000. And that's it, that's short and long. Yeah, I was just right away, I was hooked. I mean, I know it seems, how can you be hooked from just one visit? But £1,000 to me at the time was, well, still now, of course, is an awful lot of money. Um, it allowed me to help my family a wee bit. It allowed me to get myself some clothes, different things like that. But it was more financial. It was it was a, a toll it took on me mentally right from the start. It made my emotions far too heightened. So I was really, the only way I can compare it is like scoring a last minute winner when you win. Like, but that's happening every 30 seconds, every minute, every time a ball spins on roulette. So right away, I loved the thrill. I loved the... The competitiveness, I suppose, feeling that you're good at gambling, which of course now in hindsight I look back and know that that's nonsense. But I, right from the start, I was hooked. I had just left a professional environment in football as well, and it had left that massive hole in my life. And I always say, looking back, it should have been filled with something positive, but gambling just coincided right at the right time for gambling and the wrong time for me. See, when you see you, you start with 100, you got to 1,000. See the two other recordings I've done with this with the players. Exactly the same. Their first experience was a huge win. Do you think that had something to do with the way that you kept going after that? Do you think that that was if you'd lost, see, you'd lost that first night. Do you think you, you would? A hundred percent. If I'd lost that first night, I would have been furious because it would have been a hundred pound at a time would have been my money for probably two weekends, um, and I, I wouldn't have went back. I, I would like to say that I've always been rather sensible in my thinking when I was younger. Um, my older brother, he he struggled with alcohol and drugs all his life, so I'd never drank up until 18. I always knew I would drink, but I, I never took a drug in my life, um, and I will never, just because I've seen the impact that it had on him. So in order to then fall into a gambling addiction, is quite ironic, and it's just simply because I didn't know anything about it at all. If I'd lost that first night, I don't think I would have ever gambled again. See, um, you're, you're, you mentioned your football. Where was it you were you were playing before you were released? Uh, I, I had a year at Kilmarnock when I was like 16, and then I was on trial with Partick Thistle, but I signed with Morton. So I was I did a, a year and a bit at Morton when I was 17. I think it just took me up to Canada just before I turned 18. See, see, when you were there, I know you were young, and you said 18 was your first proper gambling experience. Was there much talk in the changing room, even when you were 16, 17, with the other boys about gambling at all? Well, I, I was up with the development team at the time, so they were like a couple of years older than me, and boys, and 
I, I heard them talking about it then, but see, at the time, gambling was such a like an unknown entity to me that I wasn't really paying attention. I didn't ever think at the time, well, this is rife or they're talking about it a lot. It was just changing and talk. It was something I didn't really take much notice of. And now in hindsight, I, I reflect back and think uh, that was, they were gambling quite often, to be honest. It's, from our perspective, it's still rife even in the, the, the men's game, to be honest with you. Just not betting on football per se, but betting on horses, betting on ground, betting on roulette, going on going to the puggies. It's, it's still there. I, I started Gam Talk in September and so far playing like with any professional ranks in our game just by looking at their bios or actually talking to them there's been probably about 13, 14 guys that have reached it and that's in like six months and that's yeah. only ones that are willing to like reach out to somebody do you know what I mean? So it's it's mental how rife it is. It just shows you the tip of the iceberg doesn't it? If that's 13, 14 who are willing to come through and talk that's right. crazy, crazy, man, crazy. Right. See, you've mentioned you weren't really aware. Were you were you not aware at all of the dangers of gambling at all? Was it completely new to you? Not one single bit, and that's a God's honest truth. I, I always tell the story that that first time I won, I came down and I can still remember, I can see it in my head. My mum was standing in the living room, ironing, and I took two and a pound and I just, I gave it to her and I says, like, get some shop and I pay a bill or whatever because I mean we never we weren't poor by any means but my, my dad had a business in my area a small business and it really struggled for a long time so money was quite tight so I went over gave her that and I remember she was like kind of anxious and she's like right, well thanks but you need to be careful about that gambling and I can remember that kind of feeling of I've just gave her two and a pound and she's still still finding a way to moan at me but obviously she had maybe she had seen people that had went through it or whatever, but I had no idea at all how it could go out of hand. I just thought, probably at the time, if you've got a tenner and you spend that tenner and it loses, then that's you. You, you just kind of gamble again. Do you know what I mean? Like It's just, it, it stops then, but I didn't realise it goes way deeper beyond that. So you say it got out of hand. You said you obviously won that thousand that first night. What was what we what saying? What do you mean when it got out of hand? What's, what was the brink for you? What was the worst? What was it worst? Yeah, in terms of like, so you've won big at first night and so it's all good. Uh-huh. But then when do you realise, when do you realise, shit, I have got a problem here? All oh, right, aye. when I realised it was getting out of hand was quite early on. I always reflect back on a story where I was getting sass from a college or university. I can't remember what one it was at the time. And I remember I sat up and waited on the money to come into my bank. And I think it was like 600 and forty pounds or something that was today for a month. And I remember waiting on it coming in my bank and then I remember having spent it before before I woke up in the morning. And I remember just sitting on my dining room couch at the time with a real kind of numb feeling thinking this is that's not normal. Like this is out of hand. Uh, and to be honest with you, I try not to be dramatic but it was terrifying because you're you're eighteen although you although you're classed as an adult, you don't really understand what's going on. So that was the first time I realised it was getting out of hand. And then when did you get to the stage where you, where you managed to get a hold of it? So I take it was a few years later. I I had to go through many, many horrible lows before I got to, to that stage. Um, it was when I was just before I turned 22 that I managed to get a hold of it. So I'm nearly 25 now. Uh, but I just before I turned 22, I managed to to start kind of getting a hold of it um, but it was a long long process many failed attempts but 
eventually hope I, can, I got it. What steps did you take then? So you've, when you finally got hold of it, right? How? Mm-hmm. Like what? Because it's once it's got you, I know from speaking to other boys, it's so difficult to get out of that process. Well, it's horrendous. I mean, I, I'd went to the doctors and I knew that my mental state was absolutely shattered and it kind of broke it down as if almost like weaning off or something like a drug. So going from seven days a week gambling every single day, every hour they get awake, you kind of just stop right away. Do you know what I mean? Like I, it would have sent me over the edge. So I basically had to come up with like a plan in my own head of, right, I need to go from seven days a week, literally down to six. And it sounds easy. I remember that Sunday that I didn't gamble and it was incredible, like how hard it was. And then I thought, right, I'll get down to five, but next week I ruined it because I gambled every day. So you need to go through that process. And it got to a point where I just went seven, down to six, down to five. And then I think I went down to three and cut it down like that. And my plan was by the end of the year, um, what year would that have been? 20, end of 2018, get into 2019 or 2017 and 18 maybe. Um, I end of 2017 and into 2018 to have stopped and then to start kind of going like a full year from there. And I think I stopped in like twenty seventh or something and just never took a bet for the next couple of days and then it was me who'd stopped. But it was horrendous how hard it was. Fair play to you for getting hold of it, fair play. And you managed to turn that experience into a real positive for the the was it would it be right calling it a foundation? What would you call it? Or an initiative? It's a community and press company. So I mean nobody even really knows what that is anyway. <laughs> I speak to accountants and stuff, they've no idea. It's basically just it's a company with charitable status. Gam Talk for the listeners. Gam Talk's the, the name of it. And tell us a bit about it. Um, the reasons why, of course, and, and how you went about setting up. Gam Talk was something that I wanted to do from the very, very early stages of recovery. Like when I was stopping gambling, I always talk about uh, me and my dad sat in front of a laptop in a dining room for hours, for weeks. Uh, hours a day, sorry, for weeks, and just went over, like, the project. It wasn't even called Gam Talk at the time. And I think he just did that in order to occupy my mind and to get me over it, but I wasn't anywhere near ready to launch it. Um, I went to my local council with the idea, and I got shot down in flames, um, and then I had to just go back and rebuild again. So I started officially kind of in the end of August, start of September of last year, and... It, it took off well, so it's a Gam Talk as a prevention organisation. There's a lot of companies or charities who try work with people who already have a problem. And although I will do that, although I will give people my advice and my story, I'm not a professional in any means. So I'll go on the prevention. Prevention's better than cure. That's the whole kind of motto behind it. So going into schools, youth groups, sports clubs, and educating young people about the dangers of problem gambling and the hope that they avoid the years of misery that I had. I know it's early days, but what, what's the feedback, what's the reception been uh, when you've been delivering these presentations? It's been incredible, man. It's been brilliant. I think because because I'm, I'm 24, I, I'm still relatable. I'm not going in with a, a certain tie and a PowerPoint just all about kind of facts and stuff. Like I'm going in with a real-life story and I'm relatable. Uh, teachers and the like your staff have, have all loved it and I've got some some really good reviews. Well, they've all been positive reviews, to be honest. I think for some, it's either a real eye-opener in the sense that maybe they haven't seen somebody who's fallen so far by gambling 
or for some it's, uh, it's real close to home and they know all about it and I think people just respect the authenticity of it more than anything. Yeah, it's a good point. It's like when I, I'm obviously a teacher and I play football, but they don't see me as a footballer. But if I get someone in who's a footballer, who's a pal of mine, they're like, and all, and I'm like, he, he's just in the league above me. Why are you giving him this all this attention? But you're right, you're right. It makes a hell of a difference. See when you've got someone a bit younger who's been through it, it makes a huge difference. And we're speaking, I'm speaking to Kevin Twaddle, who's a bit older now, but because he's played the game, when he goes to speak to to players, it's just way more of an impact, way more of an impact Aye. than than um, it would be, say, someone with a suit and tie, as you say, comes in and does it. So, I agree. What's the so what's the next steps for Gamto? Now you've got these presentations going. What's what's the next steps for you with it? So far this year, I've got over thirty schools, uh, thirty secondary schools in Scotland lined up to go into. Um, and then other youth groups and work with a professional club. I've just kind of got a, agreed the other day there to, I can't say unfortunately just yet who it is, but um, to work with them kind of in a pilot role for like a few months, maybe about six months to work with their academy, their community trust, their staff. Uh, so I'd say aim just to be anywhere where there's, where there's young people. I don't care if it's a professional football club or just a wee youth group run at night. Wherever those young people are, I'll go and hopefully help as many as I can. Yeah, I really like the idea of the prevent prevention rather than once the damage is done because you've managed to nip this in the the bud a lot earlier. Imagine the the carnage that you will stop um, because exactly. Yeah, it's super idea, super idea. Um, football in general. Get back to football just now because it's a football podcast, really. I would say, from my experience, that footballers appear to be more susceptible to gambling in wider society. I maybe have that wrong, but I feel from my group of pals in and out of football that within football it's worse. And why? Uh, why do you? Why would you? Have you got any theories on why it may be worse for young footballers? Why they seem to get drawn into it? I completely agree that I think young footballers are more susceptible to developing a gambling problem, but the the reasons why are really varied. I think like the the majority of gamblers who end up having a problem are between 18 and 30, and they're predominantly male. I know a lot of young females play football, um, but it's a predominantly male-dominated game. So I think just the demographics just play right into the, the hands of falling into the, the trap, sorry, of becoming a gambling addict. Uh, the competitive edge, I think, as footballers, I think we're, I say we, I mean, as somebody who likes football um, you all have a chasing a thrill I suppose you know what I mean winning a game scoring a goal something like that and gambling can really replicate those feelings that's just my opinion on it not to mention the fact that the hideous amount of advertisement that goes on in the game um, it's, it really is disgusting and it you, I mean gambling and football are almost well they are they're synonymous now whether people like to admit it or not yeah, that, let's get into that a wee bit because that's something that's that's something that struck me and it doesn't is the it's got its, its claws into football everywhere you look. It sponsors the shirts, it sponsors the leagues, it sponsors podcasts, it sponsors in between games. It's it's everywhere. Do you feel that that should be stopped? Do you think people should be taking like SPFL or covering bodies should be taking action and and halting that and stopping that to some regard? Uh, um pragmatic enough to understand businesses 
football clubs are businesses and they need to survive and if that money needs to come from gambling companies then it's unfortunately just a way of it but the bombardment of advertisement needs to stop I mean for one I think if the clubs really searched they could get money from elsewhere uh, football survived before gambling companies were everywhere and they could survive after it but I think as I say the bombardment of adverts and stuff like before every game at half time of every game Really, when you look at it, how many young people watch football and what do you expect to happen from him? It's being subconsciously ingrained in young people's minds from a, a young age and they're being incentivized to gamble from as early as they possibly can. There's no other effect that's going to happen than there's going to be a generation of young people who gamble and the more young people who gamble, the more chance that you get problem gambles from it. Some people don't like that phrase problem gambles, but to me, it's, it's it doesn't matter. Yeah. It is. <laughs> great. Some people make a some people make a big song and dance about it. Like we shouldn't call them problem gamblers, but there's there's bigger issues to tackle than than that. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a tricky one because as, as you say, you're pragmatic enough, but you've got alcohol companies. I watched the Hearts game the other night, and there was Dragon Soup being sponsored, and yeah. and whatever tenants or whatever, and then you've got like. Man City sponsored by some dirty, some dirty money, really. So it's it's, it's a difficult one where you draw the line with that. So it's hard for whoever yeah. steps in. Do you know what I mean by that? It would be brilliant if all the football clubs are sponsored by an eco, green, healthy mob. But I mean, you need to look at it. It's a yeah. business. It doesn't work that way. To be honest, I don't think it's the biggest problem. And I know this obviously plays into gam talks kind of hands, I suppose, but. I think just education is the most important part of all of this. Like, rather than if you take away uh, advertisement on shirts, there's still going to be young people who gamble, and then there's still going to be young people who don't understand it can become a problem. Whether these adverts are there, and I don't think they're going anywhere, I think you just educate people on the matter. I've seen young people literally their eyes widen when I tell them my story, and I can see it in their face. They're like, a, a young boy last school I didn't go to school <laughs> um, I asked at the end if anybody had any questions some of the questions you get are brilliant and one of the young boys just went I don't want to end up like you mate no offence and that's it that's exactly what I want like I just want them to learn from me so I think education is the most important most important thing it's great I completely agree but see for those who are beyond they know they know the risks and they've got themselves into that that situation where they're they're really struggling and they're they want to get out of it, that pattern. Would you have any advice or anywhere you could direct them to guys who are beyond the education of the harmful effects on, uh, how, on how to get out of that spiral? People are at different stages. Some people message me and, I mean, I've had, as I say, now what I didn't say earlier, sorry, there's been like over 500, over, I'm looking at it hanging out, over 515 people that have messaged like with problems. Again, I just need to re-emphasize I'm not a professional, but I can give you my advice. And some people are at different stages that at the start where they feel they're losing control and some at their wits end. I think personally, there's some steps that everybody should take. I think you should speak to somebody you love. Everybody's so scared that your partner or your mum or dad are, are going to run away and leave you and abandon you. I don't think that's going to happen. It's not happened with anybody that I've said it before. It didn't happen with myself. I think people will be understanding and try to help you. And see when you take, honestly, Danny, see when I went and like, told my mum and dad, it just took the weight of the world off my shoulders, which then allowed me to be able to like focus on a way out. So I think speaking to somebody you love, 
And then for me, I would go to doctors. If some people laugh and they think, what, doctors for a gambling addiction? It, it's a mentality, like, it'll ruin you upstairs. And that's where I think you need some some real medical help. And that's, that's what worked for me. Other than that, there is, of course, like Gamblers Anonymous. There's GamCare, who offer one-to-one sessions. I don't know how effective they are. I've, I never tried them, but I don't think they'll do you any harm anyway. I think for people, it's just finding your own path. A lot of people message me and like I think what they're looking for is that magic potion almost to get out and there isn't uh and some people see it as a negative but I, th- I think you should try turning it into a positive imagine there was only one way out of gambling addiction and you tried it and it didn't work you're helpless but there's loads of different ways I think you just need to find what works for you treat it as almost like a project and try work on how you can get yourself out of it yeah that's that's great there's a lot of similar themes even speaking to people who like like Mikey, who I spoke to and Kevin, who I spoke to, that's the first thing they said was coming out and being open and being very vulnerable with it, not like hiding nothing because Mikey said a good point when he was saying that don't hide anything when you come out. So he didn't hide anything because when he was so open, then great, and he managed to kick it. But when he wasn't open fully, something came back to bite him in the arse eight months down the line and he got spiralled yeah. out of control. So that's a great first step, but... Yeah, honestly, I've been impressed. This, this, you know way more than I could ever, ever know about gambling. So to have you on is, you know what, brilliant. It's been eye-opening for me because for me, playing football, something I've never suffered with. But yeah. I know hundreds, hundreds of folk, as I say, that in the game that are, that, that, that are at wit's end with this stuff. So no, I really, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, if I could say one thing about the footballers, yeah. I think for the ones that have messaged me and for anybody that's listening, I think, it's easy for me to say I'm not a footballer and I, I would have loved to have been, but and you need to put the fact that you're a human first before the fact you're a footballer. A lot of them are scared to come out and talk about it because the the fear of what it will do to their career. But we live in a different world now where clubs will help you, people will get around you, and you can't just live with this addiction for the next 10, 15 years until you retire. And then by that time, the damage is done. You could have lost relationships and you could have lost the money you've made, different things like that. You need to get help right now so that would be my advice to them that's absolutely great absolutely great where can they they find you on uh, on on the socials all right so they can get me on the uh, gam talk instagram so it's just gam talk under slash uk uh they can get me on twitter which is just my own twitter it's just paul Pettigrew eight but probably predominantly the the instagram there's videos on there they can go and watch me talk a wee bit of shite and <laughs> a lot of people have actually found it uh, it helps them a wee bit just because it's relatable but they can they can message me anytime in complete and utter confidence absolutely I'll encourage you guys make sure you give them a follow um, some good stuff there um, if, if not give us a follow L Ramblings we can direct anything Paul's way as well but as I say it's been an absolute pleasure having you on uh, Paul um, hope hope it's not been too painful for you not at all mate it's been a pleasure really great. enjoyed it great stuff right enjoy listeners we still young and we never